Welcome to Dense in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. We're a new church network that empowers pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. I'm your host, Tim Madeira with WRGN, here with NEC's Executive Director, Dan Nichols. This month, we have Jim Childs with us. Dan, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to have Jim talk with us today. Absolutely. Yeah, Jim and I became fast friends. Uh, We met down in Sarasota, Florida, where I did a My Circle Evangelism training seminar at the church where he was pastoring. And uh, he was in the middle of this process coming onto our missions organization, ABWE International, and more specifically, the Every Ethne Team, which is the North American branch of that missions uh, agency. And so uh, we both serve with this team, and uh, we got to spend a lot of hours swapping stories and getting to know each other. And I am so pumped to see how God is now taking Jim's incredible life journey and changing thousands of lives around the nation through his leadership and willingness to live out God's calling. Oh, that is so great. Jim, can you introduce yourself to everyone and give us a kind of a brief overview of your personal story? Absolutely glad to do that. I am a full-time missionary with ABWE and more specifically every ethne. And within that organization, my role is to be able to bring and equipping the local church in everything LGBTQ related, anything that has an issue in there. So my passion is to do that. And one of the main tools that we have is called Heart, Mind, and Soul Seminar that we take to the churches that I'm able to, to have the joy of leading, help develop that and lead that. The reason that, that they pulled me into this, the reason that, I, that I'm so excited about it is because God actually, my story is that God actually rescued me, I use the word I use, uh, from the gay identity after 30 years of living that out, after 30 years of living in that deception and that life, God rescued me from that. So I get to use the experiences that I lived and as God has used me to and used others in my life to pull me back to him. I became a Christian at 14. Mm. So, and I was called to ministry at 16, but I had this secret. I had this deal, something I didn't know how to deal with, which was same-sex attraction. And in that shame, within that hidden uh, struggle, it just escalated. And I found that the church was not the place to process that. I knew it was wrong. I knew it wasn't of God. But I knew that I couldn't go to the church to talk about it, to process it. So I just thought I could keep hiding it. I wanted a wife. I wanted a family. I wanted to pursue God in ministry. But I didn't know how to do that. Eventually, after uh, about our junior year in college, the as any struggle will do when it's hidden, it just sort of just intensified, and I finally gave into that struggle because I didn't. My pride wouldn't let me go to the church. I didn't want to be singled out and uh, marginalized or put in a different category now of somebody, which is what I was afraid would happen to me. So I went into the gay community instead to figure this thing out, and I begged God to take it away. There was so much shame involved in just having these feelings. I begged through years and years of begging, and God just didn't do it. And I'm like, well, okay, God. Finally, I got to this point of secular thinking, okay, God, well, if you haven't taken it away, then I guess I'll just dive into it. And I tried to justify it in that way. Man, that just sent me into, and I dove in. I dove into the gay community, and within that, I found embracing uh, and, and was taught sort of uh, just by, by the, the immersion of the culture, taught to embrace it as an identity. It's not just something you experience. 
Christianity is wrong, Christianity has it right, more specifically, Christians have it all wrong, and they hate you, so let's come over here and align together. Mm. And that created in me over the years a filter that everything was filtered through, which that filter meaning, does it affirm my gay identity? Does it affirm me in that piece? And that meant that anything I believed about God had to go through that filter. Anything I, I expressed, anything I lived out had to go through that filter. So the beauty of that is that within that is that God's bigger than all that, and he's patient. Mm. 30 years of living in that and, and having a 23-year relationship with someone that we do, we live life together. It was a very codependent, and it was nothing like what you see on television and in the movies, the way they're trying to package uh, it now. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, that is all for packaging purposes. Uh, the reality, as life is, it was very messy and very depressing. God let me go into this so that he could bring me out in a mighty way. I'll tell you, the interesting point is that God used people. He used my partner's family to draw me back to him. Mm their reactions to me because of their acceptance of me as a person. Yeah. I was their friend is how they treated me. I yeah. knew they didn't agree with our relationship, but they treated me as their friend as well. So with that, over the years, we developed this relationship when my partner and God really started working on us. And my partner came to Christ and died a few months after that because of a church allowing him to come into a place and explore his faith outside of the lenses of homosexuality through the lenses of just being a man without Jesus. Mm. See, his all our years of, of fighting were because we saw that Christianity didn't, we thought the people were telling us we needed Jesus because we were gay. The idea was that we needed Jesus because we were born into the human race. Mm. And that's where it approached it. And that changed the paradigm that's completely. Right. right? Mm. So the amazing piece was that God used these people to draw it my partner to him and then threw me back to him through these people who said, we're going to grieve together. We're going to point you toward the Lord in this grief. I started feeling guilty that I didn't have a right to be to grieve. This is an un, unhealthy, unrighteous. It, it was just a wrong relationship. How do I get to grieve with that? And they allowed me and showed me how God could meet me with that. He drew me back to him through those, through these people. Then he put men in my life almost immediately, Christian godly men who said, Hey man, we're all on a journey. You want to grow in Christ? Let's go. Let, right. let's, we're going to do it together. Not we're going to fix you. We're going to do it together and grow. And as I got to know these guys, these authentic Christian men, I realized that I wasn't as different from them as I thought I was, which is what led me into that mindset of homosexuality, was feeling different than other guys, feeling very separated. So through the relationships God brought into my life, I was able to see that I actually was the man he created me to be, and I was fully male, and there was no difference in, in the, the internal piece of, of what God had done, and the attractions fell away. So he started delivering me actually from the attractions to other guys through these relationships. Then he gave me the opportunity to step into a ministry that I had walked away from the calling from. Mm. See, grace upon grace wow. upon grace yeah. upon grace. And that's where I landed at 360, where Dan met me, was on staff at this small church. And, uh, well, it was a small church when we joined the joint staff and got to answer that calling. And God used that to grow me, to, uh, to just start working on my heart, teaching me to be. So he had to get away from, he had to teach me, pull away, get rid of the, 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 the gay identity in order to put Christ identity in me and let that grow and flourish. And, and that is, that's actually a harder road. <laughs> it's a more challenging road is to hear you who I am as a man, because that's the true core. And that's the joy and the pleasure of it all to get to serve from that place of growth. 
Wow. Wow. There is so much to your story to unpack, Jim. You have turned what you were into something that God is using in your ministry. What is it that excites you the most about every ethne and the heart, mind, and soul seminars that you do in relation to where you've come from? Great question. What excites me, I got to tell you, I love the opportunity, first of all, the opportunity that we have the uh, uh, an organization, a network of churches, uh, uh, relationships with churches that allow us to come in and equip their people. So what excites me about being able to do the Heart, Mind, and Soul seminars and coming in and speaking to pastors and to church members is we're not doing an information dump to a, to a broad scope of people as much as we are spending five and a half, six hours getting to know people, drilling down anywhere from 50 to 200 people mm. at a local church level. And then they, it's individuals are learning to reach lost individuals within the gay community. Mm. See, I know the roadblocks that keep people from coming to Christ out of that community. Right. And I can speak to that and I can help these believers who are, are well-intended, but are being taught certain strategies that just aren't working mm. and fear is being pushed in on all that. So the, yeah. the, Beauty and what excites me is that we get to empower and equip the average person in the pew to build grace and truth relationships with that lost person in their lives who happens to be gay. Mm. That's kind of the, 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 and then the stories behind that after the seminars, the stories, the relationships that are built afterwards. I get to walk with people out of that lifestyle. I get to walk with people with parents and see healing. I get to see marriages healed. I get to see families brought back together because the door is open now through the seminar. So the seminar, God uses it many, so many ways that I didn't anticipate. Mm. Now, pastors are afraid to touch this, aren't they? Yeah. How do you get them past <laughs> that? You said you speak to pastors. Wow. How yeah, do you get them yeah. past this, you know, just, this is the hot button topic I don't want to touch? Yeah. Well, I, I go for what I find meaningful, which is this topic unaddressed is going to leave people headed toward eternal damnation mm. without Jesus. Mm. If we don't be bold enough as Christ followers and servants of the Lord, carriers of the gospel, to address this and figure it out and love people enough, we are actually, by proxy, sending people help because we're not giving them the gospel. We're afraid of it. Right. So that's the that's sort of my, my first, now not every pastor likes to hear that, but, <laughs> but that's ultimately the truth because I'm not a real, I'm not a statistics guy. I'm not a numbers guy and I can spout some sometimes, but, but I'm more imagined that there are souls that need to be saved. There are people groups that are not being reached and it's our responsibility as pastors. So the beauty of that is when you see the fear in their eyes, Isaac gets, but you don't have to do it alone. <laughs> that's what we exist to do is to help you resource you into leading your church. So that's kind of my answer. Now, when you brought that up earlier, what, what do you think of this phrase? I'm kind of throwing a curveball at you here, but there's a phrase that's popular out there. You don't go to uh, hell because you're gay, just like you don't go to heaven because you're straight. How does that strike you? What, what do you think about that phrase? Okay, that phrase is true. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> true. And that is a reframing that, that is vital. I like the way, the succinct way you put that. We actually teach that part of it in the seminar. Mm. It can take us almost five hours to get people to understand that mm. <laughs> because we go into, we go into my story, we go into other stories, we go into to better understanding of the, the experience of that person that is so fearful. But we are giving people permission to build relationships with people and we're telling them, Remember, you're talking about a person. You're not talking about an activity or a sin, mm. particularly. 
So we try to give them the tools to overcome that mindset. And that is so true. And boy, I got to tell you, Dan, sometimes when you say that, when you level the playing field a little bit, not everybody loves it. <laughs> no, no. Right? Yeah, just like with it's politics, right? Like right? Whenever, <laughs> whenever you're talking about politics and you start saying, yeah. well, we're actually citizens of a different kingdom. It's like, whoa, whoa, hold on, you know. But yeah, that, I think right. what you guys do, I mean, I've been to your training. I've gone through it. Uh, you have come up to Northeast Pennsylvania several times uh, to restore church to Clarkson University. You've been up here mm-hmm. and you've interacted with pastors and you've done a lot of work, not just in the Northeast, but across the country. What are you finding that pastors aren't asking when it comes to the LGBTQ movement? Wow. Great question. I think what, the first thing that comes to mind there, because you just used the, the term LGBTQ movement, mm-hmm. pastors are blinded by that statement. And here's, here's when they're not able to, they need to understand the difference between the movement and the individual. Because we get so blinded and so emotionally charged by the movement, which is the political piece. Mm-hmm. The movement ah. is what is driving that. And that's what's pushing, encroaching our rights. And that's what elicits sort of anger, discomfort, fear, all of those emotions that come out. So we have to place that in the, in, in the right place in our hearts. Lord, how do I do that? How do I fight that? How do I preach against that? How do I, how do I teach my people and guide them within the movement thing? Because that's political. That is not the individual. The Lord wants to reach the individual. So once we understand as pastors, we have the compassion for the lost person. And I, and I use the term lost person who happens to be gay for the very reason of the statement that you made. Uh-huh. Because that lostness it's not their homosexuality that we're trying to fix. It is the fact that they're lost, that we need to work on. Bring Jesus into the equation. They receive Jesus Christ, and he does in his time and his way, he changes and transforms hearts. At the same time, you said yourself that you had to move from your gay identity to your Christ identity. Mm-hmm. How do you then address the person who comes who's gay, and, and you want to separate them from the gay identity you know how does how does a pastor deal with that issue <laughs> oh yeah oh, oh on their knees first okay. absolutely for sure mm-hmm. right that's a given but that I, I i can't stress that enough the idea is this we cannot make it about their gay identity now if we're talking about someone who doesn't know them doesn't profess to know the lord okay especially we need to deconstruct that but the way we do that is first we don't give them a full-on gospel ambush we get to know their experience. We understand them. Who are you as a person? And let me get to know you. And we allow them actually to answer questions, to, to, to express their views without correcting everything. In other words, we're building a relationship. We're adding value. Because, see, that's what Jesus modeled for us. And let's, let's, let's go at it. We think that we have a short period of time, and therefore we must get the gospel to them. And if they don't re- accept it, then it's their fault. It's not on me. And, and i got to move on. Mm. Where well, I would suggest my circle teaches that let's get to know the individual right. person. And that's the starting point. If you don't do that, you're not going to have a chance to, to actually walk with them. So once they get to know, and they keep bringing it back to, yeah, but I hear that the Bible says homosexuality is wrong. I, I My point is, so it's a lot of other things. Let's don't focus there. <laughs> right. Let's focus on, on our need for Jesus in eternity and really present the gospel and the pure form of gospel and let Jesus do the work. There's no chance of change. There's no, I, I say no chance. In our own heads, you're not going to convince a gay person through logic 
through uh, statistics of health reasons or any of those things that they need to change because there it is embedded in them that they cannot change. It mm. is embedded in them that they are born. They have had to embrace that in order to continue on. Yeah. Well, we, you could do the whole seminar on this podcast and we would love for you to do a five hour <laughs> training. Awesome. I know. But um, the truth is we, we want to bring you up. We want to bring you next year and your team up to the Northeast to do some more of these. And we're excited about that. Yeah, um, yeah. As you stepped out in faith, though, and this has been a ground up, like, in a way, a, a little a apostolic ministry where you are called by God to mm-hmm. move out in faith and launch something new. How hard was that? Because it's so, I've yeah. been in that boat a, a couple times, <laughs> and it's so <laughs> scary, right? Like, I want to know a little yeah. bit about how you've processed and, and done that in those steps. Oh, wow. You know, first, I had people supporting me all along the way. That was the first thing, encouraging me. And but the first the hardest part for me was stepping out of the first of all, I loved the being a pastor, being the local part of it. I was associate Mm. pastor, I was a care pastor. I coached people in in small groups. I was able to have a, a broader ministry right than this. And so the first part was to say, do I really want to be known as that ex-gay guy in ministry, <laughs> right? Is that going to be my legacy, mm-hmm. Lord? And the Lord's like, it doesn't matter what your legacy is. It's all about me. Mm-hmm. So beyond that part, the next part was the fear of support, the fears of, of finances, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, oh my gosh, I don't want to have to raise support. I don't want to, I can't ask for money. My dad told me churches always ask for money. You don't want to be that guy. Uh-huh. Okay, Lord, Lord says he would take care of that. That's the second thing I had to get over. The third thing was, was the fact that one of the agreements when I joined staff at 360 is that one of the, the gifts that I gave to them is I would not speak from the stage. And the gift they gave to me is I wouldn't have to. I was so fearful for standing up in front of people and talking and introverted wow. and stuff. So those are the things that were like that, that we did. And how God did this was just massaging my heart, breaking my heart even more for people who were not knowing Jesus because of where I've been and I understood why they weren't. And if I could help in any way, what did he do? He provided an organization like ABWE and every ethnic mm-hmm. to allow that, that stream. So it didn't have to start solo with a, you know, hang a shingle out <laughs> and start saying, right. Hey, here's an organization. And so putting that, allowing that to, to happen, which is amazing. itself. Now, obviously, doing the Heart, Mind, and Soul seminars, you have in some way, shape, or form overcome number three there, (laughs) the fear of getting up in front of people. Uh, How did God come through with you for that? Well, again, and also I get to, on Sunday mornings, often just share, I I take the pulpit, the pastors are gracious and say, share what God has done. Uh, And the way I got over it is the Lord just said, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about the message I'm ca- you're carrying. It's about the message you did. and and I I don't mean to sound put, uh, churchy when I say that, but I got to tell you that's the truth. That's the honest truth. Well, those times that I make it about me and what's it going to sound like, what am I going to look like, how is it going to come across? When I worry about that, mm. those are the times I have nervousness. Mm. By stepping in and trusting, God comes through every time. And I my prayer to Him is this: take these words and just translate them into the hearts of the people to what they need to hear. Cause I don't know what they are. That is. And that's how he came. I, I gotta tell you, one of my favorite lines is God's calling is God's enabling. And what I keep hearing over and over again, as you share is that phrase, right? God has called you and that calling it, it comes with his enabling every step of the way. And we've seen it. I mean, how many, how long have you been doing this now officially? Uh, two and a half years. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. 
Now, as we look at the Heart, Mind, Soul seminar, can you walk us through for a pastor that's heard this so far and said, man, I would love to bring this to my church, but what's it going to look like? How, how are people going to respond to this? Tell us your experience with that. We coach the pastor from day one as to how to, to uh, promote this, to, to, to express it to the people, to their, their congregation. We, we walk them through the things that have worked well. We, we also talk about how interactive it is. And it's not a lecture style. So mm-hmm. you're, we, we be, take them through the room, into the room, and say, this is what it looks like. And what pastors are finding is that it's enriching the culture. Yes. Because you have five hours of people, and what we set up, because it's interactive, we're asking people to, to, to dig into their own hearts and then to express that to others around the table. Yeah. We've had people come. We've had actually couples, a married couple who who would not attend church together, did not serve together, did not ever go to a small group or, or, or a couples group together in any events because of this tension they had about their gay son. And they didn't work on agreement. After the seminar, I've heard now that they have started coming to church together. They have come back together and un- be unified. We didn't expect that. Mm. But that's each of the kinds of things. So, Pastor... We partner with you on this, and what's going to happen on the other side is you're going to see a lot of heart transformation, and it's not only going to be about evangelism. It's going to be about restoration and healing and growth. Yeah. We've actually budgeted for three seminars. So in our budget with Northeast mm. Collaborative, we budgeted for three seminars. That's our goal in 2021. Mm. Now, obviously, yeah. COVID is everything. Every, you know, we, we say ah. that. We, we've written it in pencil. Yeah. Uh, the budget allocation is there, so we're ready to to spend, and we think that allocating financial resources to bring you and your team up to the Northeast three times is uh, worth it. We wish we could do more, but three times is what we're aiming for, and so we're hoping that if you're listening to this podcast awesome. that you'll jump in next year into one of those three things, but you can also connect with Jim uh, and talk with them and their team if you want to do your own too. Right. We are just trying to make it available because that's what we do. We empower pastors to lead and yeah. launch healthy churches, and if we're not addressing this, I don't know how we're going to be healthy. Yeah, because it's something that impacts. And and every church has someone in their their church that knows someone that's dealing with these issues. And if we don't know how to reach out to them, uh, we're missing out on an opportunity. Yes. So, uh, Jim, we want to know towards the end of this thing, one, how can we pray for you? How can those of us listening to the podcast, interacting with Northeast Collaborative, how can we pray for you? And then how can people get in touch with you so that they can dialogue with you further? Awesome. Thanks for that. Yeah, the prayer uh, piece is, is huge right now. Of course, it's, it's like everybody's praying. How do, you, how do you show you navigate this COVID deal? And then whatever comes after that, this, uh, that God will just continue to open the doors and we will be adaptable as we can to, to keep it affected. Here's the thing, and the other prayer would be that we continue to grow what we've already adapted to one way, and, and it just as you're talking about pastors understanding how to, how to navigate this and, and minister to people impacted, I have a group of about 12 people that are on Zoom now, 12 couples or families, because they couldn't go to their local church. Mm. And, and uh, now I have a group of strugglers that's about eight of uh, six of them that are on this zoom call. They're from all over the country. And now I have 
uh, a group of parents is who comes together every Monday night awesome. and it's a rich support from all over. Pray for that because that was an eye opener for me. I know you can't do it by zoom. You can't do it by, you know, by online, but it really is impactful until we can get those churches ready to, to do it locally until these parents can start something because there's so many more in their church areas. So those are the kind of prayer piece of it that I'd love to hear. Awesome. Yeah. Now we talked about pastors uh, and, and churches that might want to get in touch with you and do yeah. something. How do they do that? Email is the best way, okay. and a couple of ways you can you can do it at every ethnic site. But let's just give you the the email is jchilds c h i l d s at abwe dot cc. Okay, so they'll be able to get in contact with you directly. Directly, right? All right, yeah, right. and we'll put that in the show notes. Make sure that okay. we have that up for everybody. They can email you with more questions. But man, I I think it's so cool that not only do you have that air war right of the heart mind soul mm-hmm. seminar but you also have the ground war where you as a with a pastor's heart you're continuing that forward in this ministry to meet with parents and people yeah. who are wrestling with all this and you're doing the hand-to-hand combat and then you've also got the air war strategy i just could not be more excited yeah, yeah one final question as you move forward in this where do you see this going as the church learns how to deal with the LGBTQ issue. I see a couple of things. I see salvations happening, Mm, life transformation coming together. I see it happening on a boots on the ground, individual Christian to non-Christian environment where people are brought to Christ and then discipled. It's the discipleship piece that actually leads them into the freedom away from homosexuality, whatever that looks like for everybody. It's a long journey for some, shorter for others. But the discipleship piece, I just see the kingdom, the church being strengthened. This church becomes healthier. There's a, a, you know, the the brokenness of people, the people who are, let's put it this way, who are open about where they've come from, actually enhances and strengthens the culture of a church when they are following Christ and they can actually bring, because they can reach out to help other people. So it's it's this unreached people group that I just see happening, yeah. um, and it's it's exciting. Yeah. I, I, who knows? I, I think at some point we're going to be having to talk about less about LGBTQ and simply about the gospel. Yes. Because that's really what it's about, and we always have to drill to that. Because the the, the culture of a healthy sh- church should be no perfect people allowed, yeah. starting uh-huh. with me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We each have those things that we're struggling with. We look at the ones that are more obvious, and we go, oh, it's so easy to point that one out. But the bottom line is that we all need Jesus. That's right. We talk exactly. about sending people to the mission field overseas. We've got a huge mission field right here. Yeah, amen to that. Oh. Right in our Five miles, three miles from our churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Jim, so glad that you have taken the time to talk to us. I just appreciate the ministry that you're doing. It's certainly very much needed right now as we face uh, really a, an educational deficit in the church, I think, concerning this issue. And you're addressing that in a way that is loving, that comes from a place of experience, really, of God bringing you out of that lifestyle. And so we're glad that you're addressing this for our pastors, helping our pastors to adjust to this, what is really very real in our culture right now, and very in your face. But we can do it in a loving way. We can do it in a way that will impact lives. And look forward to having you here as a part of some seminars that are coming up. Yeah, Can't wait to be up there. Thank you. Jim, thanks so much for your time. We're going to encourage you. Check out those show notes. Send Jim an email. Make sure you get in contact with him. Have a great day. This has been Dense in the Darkness, a monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. 